And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, man, it was a uh, hell of a run by the Braves, and it came up just a couple of runs shy of going to the World Series. They lose Game Seven to the Dodgers. I'm with uh, Freddie Freeman. I don't think they have anything to hang their heads about this year, unlike last year when they lost to the Cardinals in that first round. No, that's that's probably the the hardest part about it is you legitimately feel like the Dodgers deserve to win that series the way they just kept grinding out at bats and and the way they played. You know, I mean, the Braves had their shot and. Maybe the Dodgers were just a slightly little bit better team, but man, it's still a tough one to swallow. Yeah, I think as deep as the Braves bullpen was, it carried them so far, but I thought playing seven games in seven days, I thought that was a little bit much and baseball should have, you know, and I understand why they did it because they had to, they wanted, they felt like they had to squeeze all this into October and they couldn't go into November because of football commitments and shit. But I think it could have made a big difference to put two days off. Two. It, would have, it would have been travel days like they're yep. doing in the World Series, even though they're not traveling, they're still giving them two days off. I thought that could have made a big difference because a team like the Braves that relied so much on the pen, I thought the pen finally showed some signs of cracking at the very end. Because, I mean, they pitched terrific all season, all postseason. But some guys that weren't giving up anything – yeah. With just a little bit off, having a couple of walks here and there with Matzik, you know, giving up a bomb with Mentor when they brought him back. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about them bringing he was him back gassed. after going. Yeah. He yeah. Was after gassed. going three terrific innings in that start, I was kind of surprised Snip brought him back after going 42 hard pitches in that, in that start, bringing him back two days later and he gives up a bomb to the first guy he faces. But it was one of those at bats you're talking about with the Dodgers where, they get to like one, two, 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 whatever, and they foul off like three pitches. I mean, they were just grinding at bats. And then, a, and then when a pitcher makes a mistake and leaves one over the middle, just one little mistake, they got they, it. They capitalize on it. Uh, that, that's why I'm giving them credit because it felt like they didn't swing at a single ball the whole series. And every, yeah. it, you know, as a pitcher, yeah. it's so frustrating when you make your pitch because it's hard to execute pitches. You know, I mean, you're always going to be, you're going to be missing my hair here, hair there, and, and, you know, hang a ball here and, and leave a ball middle once in a while. But when you nut that pitch and you hit your spot and the glove doesn't have to move, it's on the black, it's at the knees, it moved the way you wanted it to. And the hitter just sticks his back, his bat out and spoils it. I mean, it's frustrating because it's hard to keep repeating those pitches. And eventually you do make a mistake. And it felt like every time the Braves made a mistake, they capitalized on it. But, yeah, I mean that's. I looked it up um, in that game uh, in Game Seven to get through eight innings. Uh, the Braves threw 175 pitches, and the Dodgers to get through nine threw 131. So it came out wow. to like 22 pitches an inning for the Braves and 15 pitches an inning for the Dodgers. And that just, I mean, that just kind of shows you how much harder uh, 
the Dodgers were making Braves pitchers work. And that's not a knock on the Braves yeah. offense at all. It's just pure credit to the Dodgers. Uh, you just, you watch that bats and you just felt like they never swung at a ball or gave a bat away. Uh, and that bat away the whole series. And they just finally caught up with the Braves. This Braves team, they weren't going to change their whole approach, you know, and they were aggressive all year offensively. Yeah. They swung, they swing at a lot of first pitches. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of one, two, three pitch at bats. And that's not to say they give away at bats, but they just, they jump that. I mean, they don't, they don't sit out there and, uh, work counts the way yeah. some Braves have team and it pay and it, and it worked for them because yeah. they ambushed people. You know, they, they see, they, they jumped on mistakes and, and, and hit first, second pitches and, 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 and especially, uh, Ronald Acuna, who played, you know, the postseason with a banged up wrist. He wasn't the same, but he was a guy that would make a pitcher punish a pitcher for throwing a first pitch strike. And he yeah. just didn't do that in the postseason. And they had a lot of quick at bats. I mean, yeah. I could have. Go back to my scorebook, and there was a lot of it, uh, 9, 10, 11 pitch, a couple of 7-pitch innings against the Braves hitters. Yeah, well, you know, the thing I noticed was I, I thought some of the relievers looked tired, but I also thought the position players looked tired. And, and I think mm-hmm. that kind of reflected some of those at-bats you're talking about. Like the last at-bat of the series, Riley got a fastball on a tee and just popped it up to center field. And and I felt like a, a quite a yeah. few guys, it looked like their bats just – or Darno looked gassed. You know, he caught, yeah. he caught every game. Um, right. Caught every game. And it just looked like he was getting pitches and just, he was just a tick late, just couldn't quite get to him. So, I mean, I think that format definitely hurt the Braves. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers had to do the same thing, but, um, it, it just, it seemed like the team was just, they just couldn't quite get to stuff and they, everybody looked tired by the end of that series. Yeah. Uh, um, and they had guys that have been through this. I mean, yeah. this is the third trip to the World Series in four yeah. years. The Braves had nobody that had been this deep into the postseason with, with the exception of a couple of relievers and Ozuna, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's it. Most of their guys are like, they're flying high on adrenaline for the first. And you added a round, remember? They added yeah. a round. So yeah. they that would have normally been, maybe if you were the wild card team, you would have played one game to get to the division series. They played a whole series. Well, it was only two games, but they played a series, then played another series. So then, I mean, you're expanding a lot of mental en- en- uh, energy. Yeah. And uh, before you even get to face the best team in baseball. Yeah. And we and let's not forget the Dodgers were the best team in baseball this year. Yeah. Had the best record, and they were the they were the heavy favorites to win the World Series when the postseason began. So. I thought the Braves gave him a hell of a – the Braves could have won a series. They yeah, really could have, and it could. would not have been fluky. But they didn't get a couple of breaks. They made a couple of bad mistakes, which might have been some fatigue, might have been some overexcitement. Who knows? Trying to force things and make something happen. Like, I don't think 99 out of 100 times, I don't think Dansby Swanson runs on that that uh, sharp ground ball to Justin Turner. You no. know, gets in that gets in that rundown. And that was a costly mistake, and Riley gets thrown out of third on the same play. I, that the, I felt like that changed the whole game. Uh, I, yeah. You know, first and or second and third, no outs, and I mean, Cakes hit that ball hard, and uh, yeah, you got to figure if it uh, maybe that's why Dansby did take off because he know now nah, he's scoring if it gets through. So I don't, I, I really don't have an excuse for that. Just just a mental lapse, which is really really rare for him, and then just being what, overly aggressive. What really hurt was Riley getting caught in the middle, yeah, and not making it to third and all of a sudden you went from, you know, worst case scenario, your second and third one out to run around first two outs. And, you, you know, know, I, I saw a rod get kind of ripped on for, he, he's had some quote after the game where he said, you know, the long ball pays the bills, but small ball wins championships. And people wanted to yeah. point out that, 
the game tying and go ahead run were both scored scored on uh, solo home runs. But I felt like the whole game hinged on uh, Will Smith being willing to beat the shift and just slap a single to right field and uh, a base running error. You know, I felt like that the whole game hinged on those two plays that happened in back to back innings. And you run up against a team that had the, the hottest hitter in the postseason, too. Well, maybe with the exception of the Rays rookie. But Corey Seager was just oh, on yeah. fire in this series. Five bombs, 11 ribbies before game seven. He'd already set records, postseason record for the LCS. I mean, this this guy, you couldn't make a mistake to him. No. But then you had guys around him, though, that were just as dangerous. I mean, you know, you had Mookie Betts leading off, and they they pretty much handcuffed him they for, for him. much of this, uh, yeah. most of the series. But – but God, he's such a great player that he makes a huge impact with three catches in the field, yeah, including stealing that home run from Freddie, which was also a game changer. Yeah, I mean the game's different if that goes over, and that's a home run. Yeah, and I, you know, another thing is how different the series would have been in a ballpark that the ball flew in a little bit because there are yeah. so many fly balls to the warning track, and and you know, Freddie getting robbed there. I think that ball's gone in a lot of parks, um, but the whole the whole series just. You know, it's it was a tough one to watch, man. I was mentally exhausted at the end of that. They had that mistake that Dansby made. And then the other one that you really can't make an excuse for was Ozuna tagging yeah. up or going way too early. It looked like he just went back. He was halfway down the line like you're supposed to and went back. And and he didn't go back and just kind of lock down and wait till it's catch. He went yeah. back and just kind of casually touched the base with his foot. It's like – I don't know. You were kind of. You might as well have had a red flag waving it to the umpire, you know, or to the to the Dodgers because there was no way that wasn't going to be seen. It wasn't even close. He left way too early, and he yeah, scores just, a run there. You can't make those mistakes in the postseason, especially against a team like the Dodgers. You know, maybe yeah. earlier on it it might not have caught up with you, but a team like the Dodgers, man, it felt like every mistake the Braves made, they just completely capitalized on. So these are the three games that they lost, three straight games they lost after being up 3-1. We're talking yeah. about these mistakes were made. The other being – and 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 Snit, you know, being Snit, defended uh, Ozzy, said it was so loud that even if somebody was yelling to him, you know, that the ball was dropped, he wouldn't have heard it. But still, when he rounded first on that – after Muncy dropped the ball, tagging him at first base, yeah, he gave them an out because yep. – and the outs were really hard to come by at that point. Our hits were hard to come – base runners were hard to come by. And he would have been on first base, and he just rounded the base and starts going back to, to the dugout. And you could tell, you know, the Dodgers were like, "Okay," and just tagged him. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So that's three straight games where they lost the game, and they made one big base running gaffe in each of those games. So you know, and a lot of that could have been part of that could have been you know overexcitement, but also fatigue, man, mental fatigue. There's, mental fatigue. I mean, they're, they're playing hard for a long time every game, so. And the guys aren't used to that. The race hadn't been there before. Well, they also haven't had to play games where they've had to be that perfect. You know, yeah, you, you you're haven't right. had to. You haven't had to be because their offense is so good this year. Yes, you haven't had to play games where one base running blunder would cost you a series or a chance at the World Series. It's been, you know, we we messed up on the bases, but we're going to score four next inning, so you get over yeah. it. But not just that, but having to be so perfect for seven games in a row without any days off. I mean, I've said it. I already said it today, but. I was I was tired after the series, sitting through those games and watching those games. I didn't watch I didn't watch a single game of the Astros and Rays series because I was just I couldn't yep. watch any more baseball that day. You know the the stress yeah. and watching it it was mentally exhausting for me, and I had nothing riding on it. I was sitting on my couch. So if you think about these guys, 
I mean, that's nine straight innings every day where they got to be alert on defense, yep. have good at bats, think about all this stuff going on. I mean, it, it I think it, I think that's something that really caught up with them was just the mental grind of playing seven really high intensity games in a row. And they ran into a team that was a lot like them in that they had this bullpen. They just brought yep. one guy after yep. another out of the bullpen that was throwing gas, man. Yep. The Braves got all these guys with great, with great breaking stuff that throw hard. I mean, they're all different arm slots, lefty, righty. They had the Braves had the deepest bullpen, but the Dodgers had a handful of guys that are just filthy when they bring yeah. them in. And so, you know, the Braves bullpen carried them, like we said, for so long that if the offense did make a mistake or whatever, it's all right because the bullpen was going to shut it down the next yep. inning anyway. You yep. know, and that's why they did throughout the season and throughout most of the postseason. Eventually, the the offense was going to have a big inning. We couldn't do that against the Dodgers because the Dodgers were just as relentless offensively. Yeah. And with their bullpen, so they met they met their toughest opponent for sure. And I will stick by what I said before that series started: the winner of that series is going to win the World Series. And I think the Dodgers would have been a far tougher opponent than for the Braves than than the uh, Rays would have been. It felt like a World Series watching it. It you did. Know, it, it felt like a championship watching that game. That, a that great series. World Series. It would yeah. have been. So, but I'm with Freddie. They got nothing to hold their heads over, man. No, and at all. the thing is. They are, you know, this feels so different than last year when you felt like the Braves should, I mean, they just left runner in scoring position after runner in scoring position in the late innings of game four and St. Louis. They were the better team. The Braves were the better team. Yeah. yeah. Then, you know, and then they come out and have that terrible first inning. So it just had a horrible feel to it. And you knew Donaldson was leaving, you know, you didn't know what you were going to do with your starting rotation. You didn't know what you were going to do, you know, uh, filling out the bullpen. You had a lot of question marks. Catcher, this year you don't have hardly any question marks. And you also don't feel like you just gave it away, even though the, we just talked about the mistakes. But you didn't go, you know, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position in the last three innings of a game, you know, of a big game. Just a different feel. And you were playing a team that you can't say you know you were better than, like you could the no. Cardinals a year ago. No, they were just better than the Cardinals and, and gave them the series. This, this is nothing like that. You know, I mean, it, you're going to make yeah. some mistakes. And, and the fact that one guy rounded first is something you still remember, you know, three or four days later. Just little yeah. stuff like that that popped out. That's that's what I'm talking about as far as the mental stress of it is you're going to make little mistakes like that. And if, if those are the things that wind up costing you and the other team winds up doing it less, then they just earned it. You know, it's not like you were just better than this team and did dumb shit the yeah. whole series. They made a few mistakes and it cost them. And last year you were still working on that tired narrative, but it was yeah. accurate that the Braves could not win a postseason series. Yeah. So you had that hanging over this team in the offseason. Well, you can't say that now. Now, I know no. some people are going to be still pissy about it. And people are just, there's a lot of negative people that will say, you know, Braves can't get over the hump. Well, no, I think they got over the hump. Now they just got to take the final step, but they got over the hump by winning. Now you could dismiss the first round because that was the added series. And yeah. It was a, you know, 16 team, but they you can't dismiss the, the second round. Yeah. But they can't, yeah, which they also swept, you yeah. know, and they were dominated in. And you can't dismiss the fact they were ahead 3 1 against the best team in baseball in the third round. So. And look at I what the Dodgers have the had to do. You know, look, the Dodgers have been trying to get over their hump for yes. however many years. Yes. I mean, they have a, they have, everyone agrees that they have probably one of the best, if not the best team in baseball. And that's why the postseason is so hard because, it, you know, 
a team this damn good can't get a World Series. A team as good as the Dodgers has been that good for so long still hasn't been able to close it out. Maybe they get it this year. But if the Braves stay on the path they're on where they just keep inching forward and, and making yeah. progress – and you get Soroka back, and you know you could you could see this team winning a World Series in the next two years. Absolutely, and the Dodgers were start. They're trying to beca- avoid becoming you know what the Braves were in the nineties to a lot of people. The team yeah. that bridesmaid and all that got to five World Series, won one of them. Well, the Dodgers are going. This is the third time in four years. Yep. The Braves never even went three times in four years during the uh, yeah. during the nineties when they went five times. Don't think they ever went. No, they never went three times in four years. But anyway, the Dodgers, uh, there's more pressure on them, man, right now. Their fans, after they were down 2-0 and down 3-1. They are quitting. <laughs> you think Braves fans are upset today. You should have seen their fans on social yeah. media. Oh, shit. I mean, they were just getting barbecued. So, But uh, I just meant to I, I meant to, to point out the play that uh, – Justin Turner is just such a good player. And so many people, you know, a couple of years ago, I was saying how the Braves, when they're looking for a third baseman, they end up signing Donaldson. I didn't know they were going to go that big. I thought, I thought Justin Turner, if they could have made a move to get him, would have been great. And people were ripping him because of his defense, saying it was average at best. But man, he made a couple of plays. That play yeah. in particular, we were just talking about, he made two great plays on that play. One to field that ball. Dodgers were in great position all the time, by the way. Yeah. I mean, metrics, that was the another metrics. thing, man. It was just like Freddie hitting always that in ball in the gap, and there's just somebody yeah. there, you know. Every time. But Turner was right where that line drive went, shading over towards short. Yep. And he makes a perfect throw to start the rundown. And then he has the wherewithal to when he, after he leaps and tags Dansby on the calf. Yeah. He turn, he scrambles, gets, gathers himself and makes the throw to third to get Riley, you know, to tag him. Yeah. For the food. So yeah, I was watching it and I, I thought I, you know, you just kind of expect the fielder to make that play and then look around and then realize Riley's still on his way to third and then throw the ball. And he just. He he just got up on his knees and threw it right away. It wasn't there was no hesitation. Which if there's any hesitation, it would have cost him. Yeah, he's a good player, man. He, I know he's getting older, but he's still a really good player and a damn good hitter. Really good. And hitter. the Braves, he didn't do much. He didn't do much damage to the Braves offensively, did he, in the series? But I don't know. You forget who did because you just all you remember is Corey Seager just like seemingly like hit a home run every time up every time other time up at bat. But oh, Turner had that big home run yeah. in the uh, off free in the. Uh, Oh, Freed, yeah, the back-to-backs off Freed. But how about that, by the way? Freed in game six, that started out. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. We're going to have another first inning debacle. And Freed showed me something, man. He really showed me something because he gave up three runs before he recorded his second out. Yeah. And he ends up going six and two-thirds innings and gives up nothing more, no other runs. That was a gutty performance, 109 pitches, which was six more than he'd ever thrown in his career. It was so important too, because I mean, it, it wound yeah. up not mattering. But it, it, how much he saved those guys in the pen that were already gassed by going that deep, you know, that that was huge. But yeah, he just, you know, I was really hoping uh, he wouldn't get taken out because you're always once you start giving up crooked numbers in the first, you know, you could get yanked in the in the first inning, or if he gave up more runners in the second. But that's what makes him a stud is is his ability to to just lock it down and keep it going and, and grind through another five or six innings and, and, and save the pen obviously, but also just prove it. You got to prove that to, to your manager and prove that to your fans and your, and, and your teammates that you can do that. And so then the next time you give up two or three in the first, it's not the end of the world. And he did that, man. That, that was really impressive. 
So he'd never thrown more than 103. He'd gone over to 106 yeah. times. Never. There were always 100, 100. So his 109, and you got to think 109 in game six of the NLCS in a close game, tight game all the way. That's got to be worth about 140 in a regular middle of the summer yeah. game, you know? So that's pretty impressive to throw 109 in that game. But it's, it's funny because Snitch showed his old school, showed his how long he's been in the game afterwards. Somebody mentioned that it was that he left him in and he threw. Uh, not just to go into the seventh inning, but he threw 109 pitches. You know, it was a younger, it was somebody younger, younger <laughs> person asking care. the question. And Snit was like, you know, I went up to him afterwards and I said, I can't believe 109 is your career high. Uh, that's nothing. 130, <laughs> 140 is a career high, not 109. <laughs> <laughs> Snit was like, you could tell Snit was thinking, Hey, don't you guys even uh, accuse me of leaving, of punishing, the, or, you know, of uh, putting the guy in danger by leaving him in for 109. Yeah, Snit said he could have probably thrown all afternoon once he got in his groove. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, you, you're always going to have to answer those questions. But if you watch, for me, you just watch how the guy's throwing. You lo- look at the look in yeah. his eyes, if he looks tired, if he's breathing heavy. Freed looked focused the whole time, especially after that first inning. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There's so much good that came out of this for the Braves. Bryce Wilson's performance was just off the charts. Just, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was ballsy as hell. And, uh, and that gave them, it gives them so much more to think about in the off season or not to have to worry about, uh, in the off season, because if Bryce Wilson doesn't, doesn't do that, if he falls on his face, then all you've seen really is him throw one really good game against the Marlins. But you're thinking, okay, how good is this guy? You know, uh, if Kyle Wright doesn't have a couple of postseason starts, or you know, uh, you 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 really are wor- worried about him, and maybe you still are a little bit after he fell on his face in, in the LCS. But I thought he showed it a lot down the stretch, enough to enough to you can think at worst he's a back end of the rotation starter. Yeah, if he's a five for you, you feel pretty yeah. good about that. If that's your five, yeah. You feel a lot better about him than you do about Newcomb going into la- this year, I think. Yeah, yeah. To me, for sure. You know, um, so you know they got they saw they have a lot of questions answered. They don't have nearly as many glaring weaknesses or glaring holes to fill, I should say, going into this off season that they had a year ago. But by that same token, you got a lot of questions because. Like other teams, I mean, the Braves lost as much or more than most teams did because of uh, we've gone over this with the revenues from the battery and all that, and how much money they lost. And right now, we we talked with uh, with uh, Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker both on uh, 
we talked to him on, on Tuesday morning and there's a lot of questions right now about where the payroll is going to be. I mean, I agree. I believe Alex when he says they really haven't discussed all that yet because they just don't know yet. They don't know what the revenues are going to be like. They don't know if they're going to be fans in the seats next year. Right. You know? Yeah, I think it's I mean, going to be a really slow, it. really, really slow offseason while everybody kind of tries to feel that out because that's going to be a big yep. factor. DH, they don't know yet whether there's going to be a DH. I think if the Players Association and the and the league is smart, they'll ram that through in a hurry and agree to that, I think, because if you don't do it before free agency, I think it really holds up a lot of free agency, doesn't it? Or not it a lot, up, but some. It'll hold up Ozuna for sure. Of course. I mean, that changes everything with Ozuna and a couple other guys, but especially him. Which, honestly, I mean, I'd sign him anyway and just know that you're only going to have to play him in the field for one year because he's going to get quite a few years. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to hold up his market because teams are going to have to think about where they're going to put him if, if they were to sign him. And and that would be – that's his most important year is probably his first one of the contract. And some other teams would be in a better position to sign him in that regard than, than the Braves because the American Braves have teams. to think about – if you don't have, yeah, if you don't have a DH, if you're the Braves, okay, yeah, it's only one year before you get the DH, almost certainly. But nevertheless, you just saw Pache. You can't have mm-hmm. Pache at AAA next year. You've got Duval under contractual control next year. You've got Acuna playing one one position every game, you know, in right field. Mm-hmm. So you can't really sign Ozuna unless you're reasonably sure. I don't think that there's going to be a DH because I mean, where are you going to play him? Yeah, you know. You gonna play? You, you got to play him every day. He's not a platoon no, you, guy. You're not gonna if you're not gonna the money he's gonna get. It's not gonna be a sit on the bench <laughs> right. salary. <laughs> yeah, it's he's too good. So you go. Yeah. So you gonna play him in left field every day? I mean, that's he's that's gonna be a weakness if you play him in left field every day. <laughs> just not shade uh, not Pache to, in the left center. <laughs> not to mention, if you play him in left field every day, Duvall's not gonna play. Right. So and that's what hurts so, you. So that just changes everything, I think, with the Braves. I think it totally depends on the Braves whether, whether there's a DH or not, unless you just you know don't plan on keeping Duvall. But Duvall was huge for you this year, and you got two more years of control of him. I don't think you can get rid of him at all. No, I mean, I wonder what if you had to. But honestly, I think that you just you if there wasn't going to be a DH, you wouldn't sign him back, uh, Zuna. No, and I don't think you, you will. Just, you just roll with with Duvall because he had a pretty damn good season too, but. I mean, there's yeah. no, there's no denying. And you got the waters, difference. and you got waters coming up too. You know, cool. Then, we'll see what he does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a, he's a sure thing like Pache. Yeah, I just, I for but me, I'm there's saying, just such a short window here. You don't know how long this window is, or you you can nope. look at this team and legit say that we could have won a World Series this year. There's there's nothing that nobody can deny that this team could have won a World Series this year. So that I means it, absolutely it's got to be pretty damn tempting to get Ozuna and and have him back in that lineup. But if you don't get him, yeah, then you get then you get someone at another position. Now it's Third. it's easier. That was easier done last year or the year before though because. Like Riley, you ended up playing in the left field. Well, obviously, you can't get a third baseman and play Riley in the left field next year. But yeah. You can, but you can't. You could do that. But, you'd but we're have in the same Duvall position. The but yeah. again, with Duvall. And I just thought Duvall, I didn't think it was a fluky thing with no. Duvall. We watched him every day. He was really good, and he's yeah. good defensively. And Riley needs to play third base. To me, he's much better at third base than left field. I know Snit says he's a good outfielder too, but I just think he's a lot better at third base than the outfield. And he's your future at the third base. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the big that's 
to me is the only big question mark uh, position player wise is what do you do with Azuna? Do you wait for the DH to be decided or whatever? Um, and then your other big question, obviously, is the rotation because I would we would have said we both did say you know. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> three, two or three, two or three weeks ago, go out and get Trevor Bauer or get somebody, you know, not too far behind Bauer or get somebody with a year left on the contract. That's a big, big time front line guy. I don't think there's that sense of urgency now, but at the same time, you are going to have some money. They might get lucky because if they cut the payroll back for the first time in several years, and I'm not saying they will, but before they were going to increase the payroll every year. And I think this, the economic situation changes that. Yeah. But they might get lucky in that regard because they could still have uh, as good or better team next year with a lesser payroll. You know, with the money that's coming off the books with Hamels, Ozuna, because a lot of guys are signed and the, con- and the, and the uh, raises are not going to be that much on the uh, arbitration guys. No. Well, I mean, it, you know, I guess just with the rotation, you got to think. You're gonna have Soroka back at some point, but Freed and Anderson early. Freed and Anderson is good of a young pitching duo as you could ask for. Right? And Soroka's and then, gonna be back by the end of the first month, I think. If not by opening day, I, I don't think. know if you can bank on that though. No matter, I mean, it's, nah, it's they're really Achilles. they're really encouraged by how well he's doing in his rehab. I mean, I know it's early, but he's in shoes. He's excited. He's there working out. Uh, okay, so even if he is back early, then you just you have to fill out your say four and five, month. basically. You do, yeah, yeah. You can't count on him opening day for sure. You can no, count on him well you, before the All Star break. Four and five, you got Wilson and Wright that have both shown a ton. Fulty's still in the organization. I guess they'd probably non tender him, or or he's off the forty man, isn't he? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you got you got some options to fill out the rotation, but it, if there was an ace, it could be a rough off season for a lot of pitchers. Or for a lot of players in general, because you don't know what teams are going to do. There could be some guys floating around that you could, like your buddy Lance Lynn. You know, you you could stick him in there yeah. too, just for some stability. But after those starts that you saw from Wilson and and the progress Wright made, and Ian Anderson especially. I mean, nobody knew he was going to be you what he was. You don't block them. Yeah, how do you block them? You know, it's hard. It's knowing hard. that Soroka is going to be back if he's not on the opening day roster. He's going to be back early. Yeah. So if you block them, you almost doubly block them. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Which, you get a guy to fill out the rotation to start the year, knowing Soroka's going to be back, yeah, it's it's almost like they could legit. They have a legit, you know, play to do nothing as far as the rotation goes. But we saw how fast that could change this year, right. too. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying, thought, you know, like it wouldn't hurt to have some depth and stability. Yeah, you got to do that. I mean, I think you could count. You got to go six or seven deep with your rotation. You got to go six deep. You know, six with six sp- would be good. Because somebody's going to get hurt in, in in spring training. You know, it's going to be a fluky injury. It's going to be an injury. It's going to be whatever. Somebody's going to get hurt. They always do. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you saw when you saw what you saw from Bryce. Man, it just was convincing. That game he pitched against the Marlins, and then that game he pitched against the Dodgers. That was convincing. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, light went on for this guy. He was himself. He was aggressive. You know, I mean, I think that if you can do that against the Dodgers, if you could pitch in the zone and challenge the Dodgers like that, which, you know, their approach is to wait you out and try to get into favorable counts. And he just he completely caught him off guard by just throwing it at him. You know, it's just here we go. Hit it, hit it or don't. But I'm going to go down in flames. I'm not going to dick around. Um, the, the, his ability to do that against the Dodgers. I mean, you could you could do that against anybody. So seeing that, I mean, if 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 you found out he was going to be your number five next year right now, it wouldn't scare you. 
Oh, number five. Shit, I'm yeah. thinking more like five I know. Or four. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, if you got Freed, Soroka, uh, Ian, obviously those are your first three in whatever order when Soroka gets back, and then you got Bryce Wilson, you got you got Wright. I mean, you could you could make a case for getting a guy with a year left, a veteran yep. to stabilize things, and then worse let, comes let to worst. Wright and Wilson duke it out, right? And let yeah, and and let. There could be worse things than Wright spending a little more time starting in AAA. I know it's not ideal, and he's earned. You know, you could argue that he's earned a spot now. But they'd but, have a month to duke that out anyway. If Soroka's coming back, you know, May first, right? You'd, you'd give them both an opportunity to to take the job. You know, it'd yes. be like an extended and you'd spring have training. spring, and you and you would have spring training and that first month for somebody to get hurt too. Yeah, I'm not wishing anybody to get hurt. I'm just saying it usually it happens. happens. Yeah. So anyway, that's a good spot to be in if you're the Braves because you don't have that you don't have that need to go out and get a frontline starter this year. That saves you a lot of money. Although, like you said, there might be some guys like a I don't know if Lance Lynn's a good case, but somebody might end up signing for that you thought in a normal year might get three years, eighty million. They might sign for one year and fifteen million. You know what I mean? Yeah. To reestablish to do what Ozuna did last year as a position guy to do that as a pitcher. Yeah, and I, th- I just you know I think teams are going to wait so long. You know, the guys might start taking bad deals, but teams are going to wait so long because they want to know if there's going to be fans or not. So it's going to be the sl- I think it's going to be the slowest offseason you've ever seen. But I, yeah, yeah, because who's going to be the first team to go out there and potentially have egg on your face if you give a bigger deal than any of the other teams are given? You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you find out that there's no, you know, nobody's going to have any answers to any of that until at least yeah. January or February. If there's you're gonna, gonna be- you want to see how everybody else is doing it? Yeah, yeah. That's why I think it could be really slow. I think, I think, as much as I hate to say it, I think you could probably cross Trevor Bauer off the list, though. <laughs> why? Because, because he's going to make about thirty million probably, and I just can't see the Braves, given how much they've lost, and given how the the rotation is no longer the urgent need that it was. I can't see them spending all that money there. They'd be better off spending it on Azuna, or spending it on another big bat, or spending it on another reliever. You do lose Melanson. You know, uh, O'Day. So I think you want that bullpen to be every bit as t- as deep and strong as it was this year. Yeah. And you're going to probably have to spend to do that like you did last yeah. year with Will Smith. You know, you gave him $13, 14000000 a year. They could probably get Melanson back pretty cheap. You know, something realistic. They're not going to – he's not – he's getting old. You know, they're not going to have to fork over yeah, he had a hell of a year, though. Him. He looked good. He did. He did. But you're right. He's up to 37, I think. Yeah. and have to look it up, but – He's probably going to want to come back. I could see them signing him back and and not having to break the bank for him, right? So uh, we, we we talked with him this year. Like over a couple of quick things that we went over this this morning this year <laughs> this morning with Snit uh, Tuesday morning with uh, Snicker and Alex Anthopoulos. Kind of their post mortem that they do every year. Yeah, wasn't nearly the wasn't nearly the the uh, black cloud over it that there was like there was last year. It was more like, I mean, Snit is you could tell Snit is. Hundred percent different than yeah yeah they're excited man I mean I, by the way they'll go into next year I would think top five with odds to win the World Series the yeah. Yankees are always going to be there the Dodgers are always going to be there whoever else that, yeah, the Rays are going to be there but I'd put the Braves probably right there behind those teams and maybe maybe ahead of the Rays you know they're going to be in the top five I bet with odds to win the World Series yeah yeah um, even if they don't do much. Yeah, even if they don't do much. Uh, so Snit 
asked him what he felt, uh, what he's feeling right now, just about the season, looking back, he's had a couple of days to think about it. First thing he said was an extreme sense of pride. And he went on to say how phenomenal it was that they did what they did, given all that they jumped, all the adversity, all the, you know, hoops they had to go through during the year, all the protocols, but, you know, really come overcome the injuries. And he's right. It was phenomenal what they did, you know? Yeah. When they lost, when they lost, when they lost Soroka, nobody thought the Braves were going to be one win away from going to the World Series. They, nobody thought they'd probably, they'd be lucky if they'd even get to the postseason. And that would only be because it was expanded. No, you know? uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody thought they were going to win the division after Soroka got hurt. Everybody underestimated the, the team aspect of it, who those guys were and how they played together. And, and I think the offense, too. I don't know if anybody thought the offense was going to be as good as it was. Bullpen was I damn didn't. near perfect. But, yeah. I, mean, I asked Alex I asked Alex if what, uh, what Bryce Wilson and Kyle, especially, obviously, Ian, had done in the last few weeks – changed what if it changed how they look at things in the offseason you know as far as urgent or priorities and he says it gives us more confidence in these guys that's for sure you know yeah uh, they answered a lot of questions doing it not just doing it but doing it on a bigger stage too um alex said what asked what he thought about the season and he said he echoed he goes i agree with everything snit said because snit went on about five minutes about how happy he was with what they did and how proud he was alex said i i agree with everything snit said but he said our goal is to be in a position to be to doing this every year in yeah. other words they want to have a chance every year to be playing to go to the world series every year they you do know, not be a one-year wonder yeah you're there the way they're lined up right now yeah and he, and he pointed out that all three years since the rebuild, since Alex got here, they've gotten better every year, and they have. Didn't end well last year. You could They didn't make any tangible progress in the postseason last year, but they did during the season. And this year they made huge progress, both in the season and especially in the postseason, winning two series and coming very close to winning the third. Uh, he talked about how, how hard it is to get deep in the postseason, uh, Alex, how hard it is to win, period, but how hard it is to get deep in the postseason. I uh, said you can't. We can't get complacent. If there's anything he's learned, you cannot get complacent. It's going to be a challenge year after year in the NL East to win the division, and they know that. Uh, they talked a lot about the alternate site. How and, and 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 they really did. If you look at it, what the Braves got, the results they got out of players yeah. that came from the alternate site were a lot better than most teams did. So they were did they did things right down there because they said it was like uh, Groundhog Day was the term that Alex used at the alternate site because you're 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 asking these guys to play games two hour don't pickup games <laughs> every day in the middle of summer on yeah. the same field against the same players and they mean nothing and you're asking them yeah. to do it day after day after day and they said they got a lot out of it they had a lot of coaches down there with a lot of energy and some guys really you know, followed the protocols and really tried to get better down there. And a lot of these young guys did get better while they were there. I think it was a really good environment too, because, you know, stuff, you get suggestions from, from hitters to the pitchers, you know, it seemed like there was really good communication, but it's also a stress-free setup where you could, you could test some stuff out. You know, if, if Kyle Wright's yeah. trying to get called back up to the big leagues, does he try yeah. moving to the other side of the rubber in a, in his triple mm-hmm. a start after he had another bad one? 
You know, yes. but then you when you're down in that environment with no pressure against really, really good competition, because you go to rookie ball with no pressure, but you're not against good competition. You get a triple A, you find out it doesn't work. But in that environment, you know, him moving to the other side of the, of the rubber changed his whole season. And that type of environment could, you know, we talked about that too early on, that it could be really good uh, for a lot of guys. And it seems like it was. Yeah, one of them said, either Alex or Snet said, in a lot of ways, those guys down there are talking about the players, the coaches, everybody down there, the staff. He said, in a lot of ways, they were the MVP of the organization this year. Yeah. Because you look at the impact some of those guys made at the end of the year, came up. Yep. And a postseason. Uh, Alex was asked about Marcel Ozuna, you know, and obviously, right, and obviously chances of re signing him. He said they, you know, they haven't talked about all that stuff yet. And I agree with him. I mean, I, I believe him because they were literally flying home yesterday. And that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. That, you know, now, now you start getting, putting everybody together. But he said, Marcel was amazing for us. We'd love to have him back. He said, there's just so much uncertainty in so many areas. And he mentioned DH. He mentioned, you know, revenues, payroll, all those things that we just talked about. They have to get answers basically about DH, budget, all those things before they uh, – but yeah. he said – but they uh, he made it clear that he obviously loved – he was terrific for them. Uh, the rule changes. I was kind of surprised. Both Alex Snett has got – Snett's been in baseball in the Braves organization 44 years. Snett loved the rule changes, and he said, and I would have never thought that was going to be the case because he thinks of himself as totally old school. Yeah. But he said, I loved – because I liked all of them. Uh, even putting a runner at second base, you know, the, I know. Uh, he liked I hate to admit them, so. I liked it too. Seven inning games and double headers. I don't think we asked, we didn't ask Snit about the three batter thing. I don't think, I don't know if he would have liked that, but no. he said I liked all of them. And uh, Alex said he agreed with Snit that he liked all of them too. So he doesn't really have a feel for the DH if that's going to get rammed through this year or if it won't if they won't really go to it till CBA. Said I, he didn't have really have privy to those talks, but I don't know, man. I just I bet it feel does. they're going to do it. I, yeah. Everybody liked it. I just yeah. I think it's going to probably happen this year. That's one phone call, you know. That's baseball calling Tony Clark, going, "Can you ask your guys if they want to do the DH?" They already told me they do. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, but I, the, the only thing that's going to hold it up is the players are going to try to get something out of that, even if they want it. You know, it's it's something that the league really wants and seems like the fans want it. So I, I could see them kind of going back and forth, but they'll try to get something for it. They're not just going to say, yeah. yeah. Right. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Acuna. 
They asked him, was everybody healthy? Was there anybody that had to have surgeries like Freddie last year? And he said, no, as far as we know so far, everybody's, there's not going to, there's nobody that's, you know, has to have surgery or anything like that. But Acuna, uh, Alex said he, he played, he played banged up. And we knew that, you know, that left wrist was banged up. Uh, he played banged up. His wrist was, it was good enough to play. And it wasn't going to get worse. They were assured of that because they went to run him out there if they were said there was a chance that it could get worse. It wasn't going to get worse. But it sounds like it's one of those things. It's just inflammation. This You're not going to get well until the offseason when you have to yeah. rest it. But it's not something you go in and fix, fix surgically because if it's just inflammation, that's not something you do with surgery. So, But he yeah. didn't play. He, you know, he didn't look like himself to me. He I mean, did he not. Just, he wasn't hitting those opposite field bombs. Like he was hitting the opposite field pop-ups on balls that you thought he'd normally hit yeah. out. And he, he, it was almost like his follow-through. He would swing. He'd get his pitch. He'd go into almost a home run swing, and then he'd realize yeah. he just missed it. And it seemed like he had at least 10 of those at-bats where you felt like he got his pitch and just popped it up to right center. He just well, he wasn't, he wasn't right. They played 12 stressful games. Yeah. That's After what I mean. I think guys were just tired, you know, and just yeah. I you, I saw so many guys that looked like they got their pitch, and Darno especially. I felt like he looked gassed by the end of that series. Alex on the payroll because I asked him. I said Terry, you know, said a couple of years ago that the goal was that they planned to raise the payroll each year and be in the top, you know, in the middle of in in the in the middle portion, right around middle, and then to eventually be in the top third again. And they have raised it each year. They had the biggest payroll in franchise history last year before everything got prorated. But I said, does that still hold or does that change with all the money you guys lost? And and he said, we haven't had those discussions yet. They got to find out, you know, we don't know if they're going to be fans. What are the revenues going to be? And I don't know if they're going to get those answers, obviously, either. So, but, but they have to discuss it. You know, do they, yeah. do they plan to raise payroll, not knowing if there's going to be fans? So, uh, Stitt was asked about the excitement around the city as the series went on. Could they feel that? And he said, yeah. Uh, even when they got quarantined, they were staying at the Omni. And he said, you can look down and see all the energy down there. He said, the Braves Nation is a strong thing and a really cool thing to see. <laughs> he he really enjoyed his, himself in his postseason, that's for sure. Yeah, it would have been so cool if some of those moments happened in front of fans. He agreed. He reiterated that it was more exhausting going 60 games this year than a one typical 162 with all the, you know, things we've talked about. Uh, I asked Alex about winter ball. Do they, uh, given that they had, they played an extra few weeks and, uh, you know, given the state of the coronavirus around the world and all that stuff, do they, do, are any of you guys going to play winter ball? And he said, the most important thing is going to be in, it'll be case by case, but the most important thing in all cases will be safety. Yeah. So it said they'll keep it open mind, but they're going to do due, due diligence league by league, see what the protocols are. They're not going to go through all that they just went through, regular season and postseason, wearing masks, being careful, and then send a guy to a league where they're not really paying much attention and, you know, having catch coronavirus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think, you know, as Cosacuna talked at the start of the season, back before the season, in fact, of playing either in Venezuela or the Dominican think you can scratch that out now, you know, as much as he played and with the risk being what it was. I, I would be surprised if he plays any winter ball myself. Yeah, I think that's why I said case-by-case case basis too because his case-by-case case is going to be, you know, yeah. if, if his wrist was bothering him and he had the series he had, 
they they're they're not going to want him to play period because of how valuable he is. But he's also, rest it, you know, he's got to rest his wrist up and get healthy. But I could see sending a young guy, you know, to play like in Australia, where if they have their winter ball, like like uh like Acuna did when he was uh yeah. what seventeen, I think, or eighteen, you know, where. Moylo saw him over there and said he was the best player in the league, and he's some, he was a boy among men, but he yeah. but he was playing like a man among boys. I could see him doing that, sending a guy that didn't get to play this year because there was no minor league season. Yeah, I could see him doing that, sending a real young guy somewhere to play winter ball, or sending a Waters type, you know, to play. Even though he was down at the uh, alternate site, if a guy wanted to play somewhere, you know, if there was, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know how many which leagues there's even going to be. Yeah, so, got to wait and see, but I could see him doing that with a really young guy. Uh, or a pitcher, you know, didn't get a lot of innings this year. Let's see. Uh, yeah, about the rule changes, Snit said, I liked them all. He goes, and I'm not kidding you, I liked them all, <laughs> which he was surprised. And, and Ox said, I feel the same. I'm just going through my notes here. Um, on the big mistakes, I asked about the mistakes that were made in the LCS. Uh, you know, Alex said they looked at it as, Mistakes are going to happen. Guys are going to make mistakes. He goes, they, they shot themselves in the foot some, but, you know, when they're playing at a high level like that, you know, guys aren't perfect. They're going to be mistakes, and they were costly, but, you know, you live with it. But uh, Freeman extension, the big question of the offseason a lot of people have. Freddie Freeman extension. Alex said, and he said this many times, both uh, both sides want that to happen. Uh, he's a key part of this organization. The hope and the plan is he's going to be a key part going forward. Uh, and he said that their their goal is to, of course, keep it quiet until it's announced because they don't like to talk about contracts. They they take pride in keeping everything airtight and no leaks. So, but I would be the biggest surprise in the world to me would be if if Freddie Freeman does not resign here long term. It's going to happen. I mean, it's so obvious. Freddie hasn't tried to say, well, you know, I want to stay here, but you never know what's going to happen if they don't come forward. Freddie's never had any kind of a statement like that. It's always been, I want to be here. They know I want to be here. Team has to resign him. So the only way he, the only way he wouldn't is if it was like $80 million different, you know, and then he still might, but the only, the only way he wouldn't is if the team kind of knew that and tried to take advantage of it. But as long as they offer him something fair, I don't, I don't think there's any chance he wants to go anywhere else. And the reason I think it'll happen this winter is because he's going to be MVP. And I think it ups the ante if another team, maybe they don't even think they can resign him. But yeah. if they want the Braves to pay the going rate for him, another team might offer him, go, what? well, let's take a shot at it. It might offer him five years yeah. at $175 million, you know, yeah. $35 million a year. And, that, and, the, and I think the Braves would behoove them to sign him now rather than have to because if another team offers five years and 175 million yeah then it looks bad it looks cheap if the Braves then come in with five years and 135 million you know what I mean yeah I, I, mean, think, I think he should signing. definitely get 30 a year whenever yeah whenever it's all said and done I mean that's that's what he's he's probably worth 35 but I, I'm saying 30 because I think he'll take that discount to stay in Atlanta and not test the market yeah that's why they often need to offer them that now. I think yeah. five years, one hundred and fifty. Do it now. Get it over with. Yeah, no other teams could even. I think you're right. Just get it then done the this offseason. Because he's killed the Nationals and the Mets. Killed them. Don't you think the Nationals or the Mets would at least want up the ante for the Braves to have to pay him an extra ten million a year? I yeah. think they would. Yeah, 
For sure. Nationals love him. He kills them. They would love to love him instead of love to hate him. <laughs> yeah, they, they just love to pay him not to play against them. Yeah, or the Mets. I mean, come on. You know, they, I mean, they know that they wouldn't get him, but I could see them. I could see them offering him five years and thirty-five million a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, they went over the Tyler Matzik because Snit said that was the biggest story to him. The most pleasant surprise of the year for him was a Matzik story. And Alex revealed how when they signed him last year. Dana Brown, the scouting coordinator, was at the Perfect Games, and he got a tip from a scout that there was a guy, Tyler Matzik, a former first-rounder, was really dealing down in Indy Ball in Texas. Dana calls Alex and says, I want to send a scout out to watch Tyler Matzik in Texas in Indy Ball. Well, at this point, there's only like a few weeks left in the season, and and uh, Alex is going, you really want to do that? I mean, you want to sign a guy for two weeks left in the season? Dana goes, I've heard he's really dealing out there, so I'm sending a guy out there to say – so what they did was he was he was dealing. They go out there and see him pitch. They took the they took they made a, a wise move. They signed him to a two year minor league deal. Mm. So instead of him being a free agent after last year, yeah, he was signed through this year. <laughs> well, Man, it wouldn't have mattered though because if they called him up, then he's under team control. He's only got I mean he's got two years of service time now. But they didn't call him up. No, I he mean went, the, he wasn't no, called yeah, him yeah, last yeah. year. But yeah, he I wasn't on the forty. I got you. So he still wasn't on the 40 even after spring training. Oh, yeah. If they signed him to a one-year deal, he would have been a free agent two weeks later. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. How smart yeah. was that? Yeah. So so what they did was – and then and then Alex, Alex, to his credit, gave Snit credit for being – because after spring training, I was surprised when he wasn't one of those invited in that initial list they said to summer camp. Because I'm going, this guy was – we did big stories on him. He was he was one of their – he was maybe their most impressive pitcher at spring training. But he kind of fell through the cracks, and he wasn't on the summer list. And Snit called Alex and said, you know, we're talking about as a staff, and that t- Tyler Matzik was really good at spring training. And Snit was like – or Alex was like, yeah, you're right. Why not? Why not? So they, that's when he got invited to summer camp. Otherwise, he wouldn't even have been invited to summer camp. That's insane to think that you yeah. just took a phone. Oh yeah, good call. Let me let me put him on there. <laughs> That's <laughs> much, what happened. How much thought went into this? <laughs> otherwise, you would have. Otherwise, they would have sent him to the alternate site and hoped they. You know, who knows? Yeah, who knows if he would have gone to the alternate site? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he was signed to a two-year deal, so I guess he would have. But you don't know, man. They might yeah. have just wanted younger guys there, so that worked out. Uh, last couple of things. Um, oh, Soroka. They came home from the uh, from Houston yesterday, the day after they lost. And Snit said the first guy he saw when they got back to uh, Truist Park in the clubhouse, Mike Soroka. He's in shoes. He's he's kind of running around or whatever. He's he said he was he, the guy is so full of energy right now. It looks like he wants to play right now. They're really encouraged with his rehab. Obviously, he's not you know doing. I mean, he's got the first four months are kind of scripted with that anyway, so you can't really do much yet. But he is doing everything. It sounds to me like everything on or ahead of schedule, and they're not gonna. They're gonna be careful and make sure they hold him back and make sure he doesn't overdo yeah. it. But Alex said when he got hurt, there was no doubt in Alex's mind that he's gonna be back opening day. Now they're not gonna let him do that if it looks like there's any risk at all. But it sounds like you know that's what he is aiming for, and the Braves are certainly not gonna hold him back if he's on schedule to do that. That's why I say I'm not going to be surprised if he's on the opening day roster. Yeah, the the thing is, is you just you know haven't been somebody that pushed through an injury to get back before. It's sometimes it's not worth it. You know that that extra right. month you're talking about the rest of his career. 
Right. You know, if, if he, and, if this and, thing doesn't go right, you could, it could mess up his whole career. So I don't, I don't understand the urgency to get him back open. Well, there's day. not, okay. there's not. Alex made sure that he clarified that and said, now, if he's not, if, if there is any risk, okay. we're not going to, yeah, yeah. we're not going to let him push it. Gonna say. We're not going to let him overdo it. He goes, cause if it's two or three weeks difference, he's back and you know, then, then, then there's no, that then we're not even going to hesitate. And he knows right. that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if he says he like, looks, even if he says he feels great and he doesn't look great, like he has yeah. to look outstanding to push him to that first month of the season. Even if right. he just all says that testing he, they're doing. Yeah. Cause you know, it tugs with your emotions where you want to be back out there and maybe it's bothering you a little bit and you're just like, ah, I feel great. You tell all the coaches that cause you just want to be back on the field and right. you wind up being back too soon and something goes south, you know, yeah, just, you can't risk that. So I would, it's I not would, going to be a situation like really though, where he was, right. you know, he had swore he was going to be back. Yeah. And even yeah. though he wasn't ready, he was back. Yeah. They're not letting, they're not going to let, no, uh, he's got to look. They're going to take amazing. Right. They're, they're going to take this decision out of his hands, you know, whether he says he's ready or not. They okay. will test him, all those yeah. strength tests, make him do everything. Thank before, God. You know. Yeah. So that's where that was this morning, those uh, conversations with those two guys. But it was uh, – uh, oh, Alex said, you know, regarding him, uh, regarding Soroka, he said – He's going to be throwing for sure when they get to spring training, but they will be careful, you know, that he doesn't overdo it. But he said there are certain guys you don't have to worry about working out and that kind of stuff. What he's doing that day, he's at the top of that list. Yeah. So. So. Um, all in all, it was as as bad a week as it was for Brace fans who were riding with every pitch, you know, and they see their team lose Game Seven after being up three one. I mean, I know it's tough to look at it optimistically at this point, but. They made huge strides this year. They went, yeah. you know, they won two postseason series, and now you got one more. You got one more step to make next year. And uh, I really think it's not going to surprise me at all next year if they come back and get to the World Series next year. I think they're going to have a World Series team. Not at all. I think it's just the pain you have to endure to eventually win a World Series. You know, not many teams win a World Series their first postseason, or their yeah. second time in. You know, like you have to go through this and experience the failure and. As a fan base, too, you got to get your heart broken a few times, and it'll just make that World Series feel that much better. And really, it was the second time in because that first year they were just glad to be there. Nobody yeah, expected them yeah. to be the the Dodgers in the first round no, of the year. That Nobody. was like a was just so, a trial run. So this is basically the second time for most of these guys, and they came within you know two runs of winning Game Seven. Yep, so. one hit, one play. You know, one at bat away from going to World Series right now, playing today. Yeah, it was a hell of a run. Um, what? Uh, who do you like in a series, man? I don't care. Rays. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm so mad that they. You know, I'm just. It, I don't. I think the Dodgers. It's it's nice when you lose to the team that wins At the World the Series. Aren't there? I, that's yeah. yeah it I'm, is. I'm glad the Astros aren't there, but I don't know, man. I mean, I, I it took me two days to. I kind of moped around my house yesterday. It took me a day or two just to. Finally, feel, I, I was riding on that ride with him, and I was I was bummed out. So I don't even know. I don't even know if I care who wins this thing. I wanted the Astros to get there only because I wanted to see the Dodgers beat them and yeah. get revenge. Yeah, you know. So, but there's also the risk that if the Astros get there, they win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> Can you even imagine the fans <laughs> no. next year? No. <laughs> if there's fans in the ballparks and the Astros are the defending champions, so they have that on top of 
the reception they were going to get this year. Oh, it would have been the most lopsided uh, fan interest in history, though, because everybody but Astros fans would have been rooting against them. They would have totally taken the place of of New York as the evil empire next year. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, and especially it, if they won it. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take the Dodgers, and I don't even think it's going to go seven games. I think the Dodgers will win it in six. Yeah, it's it's hard. You know, I didn't pay too much. Like I said, I was I was so invested in the Braves games that by the time the Rays game came on, I yeah. just didn't have the energy to care about a baseball game. So I, I didn't really pay too close attention to the Rays. So I don't have much of a scouting report on them. But I know how damn well, good the Dodgers are. The Rays went seven games. Yeah, they did an extra day of rest. But those they and they are more bullpenning team than the Braves were. Yeah, I mean they've rode those relievers hard, uh, and their offense. They've had the best player in the postseason in the rookie. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Yes. Yeah. But can he keep it going in a World Series? I mean, my God, he's been unconscious. And if he comes back to earth and just has a mediocre series, yeah. then they got no chance because he's just carried their offense. I mean, he's the only guy they had in a couple of those games they won. Yeah. So we'll see. G-Man Joy's pretty badass too. Yeah, he is. I'll take the Dodgers in six, and it won't shock me if the Dodgers win it in five, but that's asking a lot for a team to win it in five. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And we'll be back, and uh, we really appreciate everybody out there going on this thing with us all year, listening to us. It means a lot, and we're glad you guys enjoyed it. And we'll do a lot more Q&As and all that in the off season with you guys. In fact, we'll probably end up doing that more often than not. We'll probably go to one show – a week or every two weeks for a while in a postseason. And, but if something happens, or in the offseason, I should say, if something happens, if the Braves, you know, make a big trade or they sign Ozuna or, you know, whatever, we will we will do a show. So we won't leave y'all hanging. So, But we're not going to, you know, plan regular shows in, in, in what we think is going to be a pretty slow offseason, especially yeah. in, the, in the opening weeks because there's going to be virtual winter meetings this year. They're not even going to get together for winter meetings for the first time. Yeah. So – so we'll see, but we'll keep you guys abreast. But thanks every, to everybody, and we'll, we'll do some uh, Q&A shows in the offseason. Those are always good, so we can always fill time with those. But that's it for us. 755 is real and done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 